In a sports world full of one-sided takes and agendas, one man has the courage to tell both sides of the story. And let's talk about the NBA bubble. This season has been a success. Flip the script. This has also been deadly dull. What do you say? Welcome to the Turning Points Podcast. I'm Jake Rongholt. This is where we tell the reality within the story. There is no right. There is no wrong. Just facts to both sides. You were serious about that? Plus, we have great guests, including Fox 5 Atlanta sports reporter Kelly Price, this beat writer for the Riot Report, and Antoine Staley now joins us on the line. So enough talk. It's time to tell both sides in five, four, three, two, one. And I always believe in this, Jake, and I don't know how you believe it. This continues to rattle my brain. The Turning Points Podcast starts right now. Oh, it's Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Ronghold. Tweet me at at Both Sides Sports. That's Both Sides Sports on Twitter. We're back here for another rounds and edition of Sports Talk, where we go both sides of the story. Fago White, Franklin III, will be joining us. He is a publicist and a sports writer. He has been in the business for eight years, and you won't believe the humility, the kindness, and the way that he talks sports, I can't wait to bring him on here. Uh, he was such a terrific guest, and so he will be joining us here on this edition of the Turning Points Podcast, December 23rd, 2020. This is very exciting for us. So Fago, Franklin III will be joining us here. Coming up, we got our top five turning points, and then we'll, we will go into our We Did Not Forget segment, which we always do because there are so many sports stories to get through here, but there are a lot that a lot of people are not talking about. Well, you're going to hear it right here on the Turning Points Podcast. Okay, so this is interesting to me because the college football playoff to me has become a joke. And I'm hearing it on ESPN and I'm hearing it from a lot of people. This is what I can't stand. Well, what did you blame? Because remind yourself, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and Notre Dame are the four teams that we representing in the college football playoff. Not only that, the Rose Bowl has been moved from Pasadena to Arlington, Texas at AT&T Stadium. So Jerry Jones can get some of that moolah and People are saying you should not be mad about this. You should be you should not be surprised by this. You know what? I don't care what you think. What I care about is I care about the integrity that is left in college football. And for the fact is, is that Ohio State did not follow the rules. But then the Big Ten out of the blue decides to relax that rule and try and push them in there. While teams like Wisconsin, who dealt with a COVID outbreak for almost three weeks, Minnesota, Northwestern, Iowa, Maryland, Indiana, all were affected with what happened here. And Ohio State. Keep in mind, Ohio State had 23 players that didn't play against Michigan State. But you know what? Let's bring them in anyway. The rule was Ohio State had to beat Northwestern, not just beat them, but blow them out. And you know what happened? They didn't do it. They didn't blow them out. They lost. They only won 22 to 10. But they thought, okay, let's just push them right in. Even though Texas A&M's one and only loss was to the number one team in America, the University of Alabama. Never mind that they built up this defense into one of the top defenses in the SEC. Forget about that. Forget about that Cincinnati had an undefeated season. And then I hear this, but people won't watch. Are you trying to tell me 
people are not going to watch a college football playoff where there are teams that are not named Ohio State and Notre Dame? You mean to tell me that I won't tune in and watch Cincinnati play or Texas A&M? Remind yourself, Texas A&M would love to get another shot at Alabama or even take on Clemson. But we are never going to know because college football is all about brand over integrity. That's simple. Because remind yourself, last year, the Big Ten and the SEC made nearly made nearly $1.5 billion in profit together. Big Ten was number one. Number two was SEC. They're going to make half of that this year. And there's reason why that they are bringing the Rose Bowl to Pasadena, because don't listen to this. All right. I don't want to hear this. We're doing it for the parents. I could not believe when I heard that up when I heard that from Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly, when he said that the reason that they were trying to do this was because the parents want to watch their kids play. Yes, because we're in a pandemic right now where pretty much daily we have one to two deaths every minute that we are trying to close out and get vaccines that restaurants are at 60% capacity or lower, that people are losing their jobs, that stimulus checks are not doing the trick. Yes, but it's all about the parents of the children that are playing in a college football game, right? You know what? It's 2020, and if I want to be mad about this, I'm going to be mad about this. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. All right, let's get into our top five turning points for the week of December 23rd, 2020. Let's start off with the team that had the worst loss of the weekend. And no, it is not the Los Angeles Rams, but it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And why do I say that? The Rams lost to a winless Jets team. Well, I don't care about the Jets. I care about a team that was previously 11-0 and now have lost their last three. By the way, 14-point favorites for Vegas and the Bengals have not beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 11 times. 11 straight times Pittsburgh has been Cincinnati, and they had it. This was the cakewalk. No Joe Burrow, no Brandon Allen. They have some third-string quarterback named Ryan Finley who barely throws for 100 yards. Final score, 27-17. to Thanks for coming, Steelers. And it looks like they are just defeated. 20 for 38, 170 yards, a touchdown and interception for Ben Roethlisberger. In the first half versus Cincinnati, 19 yards passing, 19. And then you think about this, put the script. I told you this was going to happen. I said this multiple times that I did not trust the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are paper champions. When they lost Dupree to a torn ACL and Devin Bush, they were in trouble for their defense, for their defense. But I never thought it would be the offense, but I did actually. Because Randy Fickner, who his last job was with the University of Memphis, is now up in an NFL team running a college football offense. You're 31st in ranked in running game. You have Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, and when you get bet James Conner, there should be no excuse. You've won ugly. And when you play the tough teams, you win barely. Remember, you almost lost to a JV version of the Baltimore Ravens 19 to 14 on Wednesday night football. Keep that keep that in mind. By the way, they lead 31 drop passes. That is a league high. And Ben Roethlisberger comes out to the media and says, I'm just not playing well. Oh well, okay. Well, sugar. Okay, let's just move on. No, 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 no. I said right from the beginning, and I'm gonna stick to this. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not a team to be feared. They're not. 
Because outside of their secondary, and I warned you guys about this secondary as well. And outside of Mika Fitzpatrick, they don't have the guys that could be able to cover across the middle of the field. And even though Ryan Finley had 100 yards, guess where he was throwing the football? Middle of the field, Giovanni Bernard, T. Higgins. He even tried to throw a deep ball to Tyler Boyd before he got hurt. And they still lost. Ben Roethlisberger had 19 yards passing in the first half. 19. Don't give me this excuse that we did not see this coming. I saw this coming a mile away. As soon as I kept watching this offense, not being able to score at least 20 points a game, I knew this team was in trouble. This is not the 90s anymore. This is not the 2000s. You cannot just have great defense and a powerhouse running game because the problem is you don't have a powerhouse running game. You have nothing. You're ranked 31st. And Deontay Johnson needs stick him on his hands, or he needs that stuff that they gave Clifford Franklin in the movie The Replacements. Throw it on there and see if he could catch a football or two. James Washington has become a no has become MIA. Chase Claypool was about to become rookie of the year, and now he has shrunk. He has disappeared. So don't be surprised by this. Because if you seriously woke up this morning and said to myself, here's a hot take for you. I am shocked that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not who they said they were. Wait. Yes, we did. Let's head off to turning point number four. And I'm going to talk about two quarterbacks. One that played last night and one that played back in 2017. Hear me out here. First off, let's talk about Zach Wilson. Rookie. Excuse me. Senior for BYU. Amazing performance in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Even in a pandemic, it's kind of fun. Final score, 49 to 23. He was the reason to watch that game. 26 for 34, 425 yards, three touchdown passes, five rushes, 12 yards, and two touchdowns. Tough, aggressive, and he has a headband that makes me think of Jim McMahon. By the way, Jim McMahon went to the same school as Zach Wilson. Aha. And he was incredible. And this is exactly the kind of quarterback that teams like the Jets, the Jaguars, the Bears, and the Lions are looking for in their future. Because the funny thing is, Zach Wilson doesn't have the hype of Kyle Trask of Florida, of Mac Jones, of Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have that. He has to play those kind of bowl games. Flip the script. It reminds you of a quarterback named Josh Allen. Josh Allen, who only had 16 touchdowns and six interceptions in his senior year. And he had to play the famous Idaho Potato Bowl versus Central Michigan. His numbers were not exciting. 11 for 19, 154 yards and three touchdowns. However, it was because of that game, that performance on national TV on December 22nd, 2017, that he got drafted seventh overall by the Buffalo Bills. Zach Wilson is this year's Josh Allen because he has to play in bowl games that are known for roof claims in Boca Raton, Florida. You got to be kidding me with this. But this is possible. A number 13 team in BYU won 49-23 over the University of Central Florida. Hey, how's that national championship going there, guys? Another story for another time. But Zach Wilson has impressed so many people. However... He's not getting talked about. He's not getting praised. He's not getting the hype that Trevor Lawrence is getting. Same as Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen 
was raw, athletic. He has a talent that you need to work with and he could become something great or he could become another bust. That's what I heard from all NFL draft analysts. Remind yourself, Zach Wilson may not be the protege. He may not be the Trevor Lawrence that you want, but he is a tough aggressive he could throw bullet passes deep balls down the sideline and he can make things happen because you know what just like josh allen zach wilson loves the game of football and it kind of reminds you of another player that loves to play the game of football and show it to the audience brett Favre. it's a thought let's go out to turning point number three i want to talk about the washington football team for a minute Ron Rivera should be a strong honorable mention for coach of the year. Now, hear me out. I know Jake, they're six and eight. Okay. So he went through cancer treatment throughout the majority of the season. He has gone through not one, not two, but three quarterbacks. He went through Dwayne Haskins, benched him after four games, put in Kyle Allen, torn ACL out for the year. And then Alex Smith comes in. Alex Smith, who had 18 surgeries before he was able to take a snap to the point where DC media was had their hands in their mouths, just chewing on their fingernails because every time Alex Smith took a snap, they were like Alex Smith's wife. They were watching it with their eyes closed, with their eyes closed because they didn't want to see Alex Smith get hurt. And he actually was one of the true reasons that this team is where they are now. And then Dwayne Haskins comes in as an okay game and they almost beat the Seattle Seahawks. And then, not to mention, formidable defense. Yes, this defense is exciting. I love watching the Washington football team defense because I love watching the likes of Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, and the two Crimson Tide players in Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Not to mention, that secondary is getting better, and they're going to be tough for the future. Unfortunately, off-the-field issues have hurt them. So let's flip the script on the Washington football team. In 2009, the team formerly known as the Redskins paid a female former employee $1.6 million. And it was confidential until Will Hobson, Liz Clark, and Beth Reinhardt of the Washington Post found this. It turns out that owner Daniel Snyder was accused of sexual misconduct. This happened on a private plane, returning from the Academy of Country Music Awards in Las Vegas. Your owner was accused of sexual misconduct. And now it is out there in the open. Don't believe me. It was on the Tony Kornheiser show this morning when he interviewed Liz Clark. Think about that. Not to mention, there is more to this. In the agreement... Snyder nor the team would acknowledge wrongdoing. The NFL has got to step in. Not now. I'm talking at the end of the season. As soon as the Washington football team, when they are up there, get that NFC East crown, possibly, and have to host a playoff game and then be one and done. After that, Daniel Snyder needs to be called into Roger Goodell's office and they have to seriously think about him selling this team. Because now... Everybody wanted to joke about Robert Kraft, you know, in a massage parlor. This is serious because there are 18 women that I've already accused front office employees and their former play-by-play announcer of sexual harassment. And now this comes out into the light. Sexual misconduct against your owner. The Washington football team, you may be having a decent season, but you're still 
have a lot of bugs in the system. Just because you brought in a woman to help out in media and brought in Jason Wright to try and revamp this franchise and Ron Rivera doesn't mean that there is still something left in the swamp. And his name is Daniel Snyder. All right, let's head off to turning point number two. The NBA kicked off last night on Tuesday night, December 21st, and it was fun. It was fun because now this is one of 72 games that are going to be happening with the NBA. I mean, we got Christmas Day coming up and we know what that's all about. We had the Warriors and the Nets and it wasn't really that much of a game. It was actually a domination. Three scorers had three, 20 points or more, and that was Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Carice Lavert. And it's funny to me, right now everybody is saying, oh, the Nets are, this is the team to beat right now. No, 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 no. We'll get into that in just a moment. But the Warriors last night, they lost 125 to 99. James Wiseman, though. James Wiseman, really impressed, especially when he was out the entire season last year. And remind yourself, he left Memphis after only two games, two games, seven for 13, three point and a three point shot. James Wiseman was also a starter. Remind yourself too, the Warriors, it's going to take some time for this team to rebuild. And then the Clippers and the Lakers, all the Lakers, this was their championship ring ceremony. And then the Clippers said, well, we had other plans. Tyron Lue in his Clippers debut, and they beat the Lakers. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, 26 points. Paul George was unbelievable last night. 13 for 18 shooting, 5 for 8 from the three-point line, 33 points. 59 between the two scorers. And they have Nicholas Batum and Patrick Beverly there. And you're saying to yourself, ah, oh, the Clippers, they're going to be better than the Lakers. Flip the script. No, 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 no. Here's a problem. Here is a big problem right now with that. Because all we're hearing today right now is hot take galore. Oh, the Nets might be better than we thought with Kevin Durant. Oh, the Clippers might be better. No, no. The Lakers are still going to be the number one seed at the end of the season. And the Nets, they might get lucky if they get a sixth seed. I don't trust this Nets team because there is somebody in there that knows how to get himself out of town. His name is Kyrie Irving, and I don't care if he was impressive last night. 26 points, he couldn't miss from the three-point line. I don't care because he's still Kyrie Irving. He's not going to change. Ask the Celtics that question. Ask the Cavaliers that question. Why didn't Kyrie Irving work in Cleveland and in Boston, you ask? You think it's going to work in Boston? Brooklyn, I think not. And that's why I kept saying, and I said this on the sports arena, that the Brooklyn Nets are a seven seed. Now, they could impress. They could jump to that number four seed. I don't trust it, though, because as long as Kyrie Irving is on that team, I'm not buying it. And then the Clippers. Look, I know you. I know Paul George. I know what happens to him in the playoffs. He falls apart. He keeps missing shots. And then he gets paid for some reason. The Lakers are still a team to beat. They're going to be even better this year. Yeah, Marcus Gasol was in foul trouble. Yes, I understand that Anthony Davis and LeBron James only combined for 40 points last night. I get it, but it's only one game. Come back and talk to me in game 25. Until then, sit back, relax, and just watch some basketball. It's just fun. But don't believe that last night was the prelude to the Clippers and the Nets meeting up in the NBA Finals. What a choke. All right, now finally we're gonna close this out. Melancholy farewell to one of my all-time favorite football players, Kevin Green. 
died uh, two nights ago at age 58. Kevin Green was the combination of Hulk Hogan and an 80s rock star. This man loved playing the game of football. And it showed third all time in sacks, 160, two time all pro, five time pro bowler, played for the Rams, the Steelers, the Panthers and the 49ers. And Dom Capers was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And we'll get to that in a minute. But man, I remember as a child watching NFL primetime and I got to watch number 91, Kevin Green in Pittsburgh, yellow and gold. I mean, excuse me, in Pittsburgh, black and gold. Just go after every quarterback in the AFC and throw them down like they were nothing. It was one of my favorite things because not only was Kevin Green such a terrific football player, he was a great soundbite. And that was one of the best things. I went through the archives to find that Hall of Fame speech he had because there was one part, one part in his Hall of Fame speech that still stands and it will always stand the test of time. Here he was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame being inducted. I want to thank all those brave people that have served and continue to serve our country from the firefighters to the paramedics to the men and women in law enforcement. Those that lay it on the line every day for all of us and to our combined armed forces, all the soldiers out there and all the squids and flyboys and jarhead gyrenes, all those that stand tall for our beloved country anywhere across God's green earth. Let me say this. Let me say this, that my family and I rest easy at night underneath the canopy of freedom that you deploy. I am eternally grateful and I salute you. Thank you. Courtesy of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, found that up on YouTube. Yeah, that's exactly what he was. He was he was thankful for law enforcement, thankful for military. Keep in mind, when he was at Auburn, he actually was able to graduate ROTC and was part of the Alabama National Guard for a while. He loved law enforcement. He loved military. That's just the kind of guy he was. I'm going to miss this man. Six coaching internships until he got his dream job. Linebacker coach with the Green Bay Packers was able to coach up Clay Matthews' son, Clay Matthews, from the University of Southern California. And he is always known for that soundbite. Before Rashard Mendenhall got that ball on third down in the fourth quarter, Kevin Green goes over to Clay Matthews, looks at him in the eye and says, it is time. It is time. And what happened? Clay Matthews goes out to Rashard Mendenhall. Ball pops out. Packers get the football. Green Bay wins the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that as an unbiased Packers fan. I'm saying that because that is just how Kevin Green was as a person. I'm going to miss this man. Kevin Green died age 58. Rest in peace, you wild SOB. All right, that'll do it for our top five turning points. You got any comments or concerns or you want to hit me up on Twitter, go to at both side sports. That's both side sports. All right, when we return, we are going to have Fango Franklin III to join us to talk some NFL, some NBA. And you won't believe this because a Facebook post, a Facebook post was actually able to get my best answer of the entire conversation. And it led into so much more. You don't want to miss it. Fango. Franklin III coming up next on the Turning Points podcast where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Gronholt and you're listening to it right here.
As we come across this Christmas holiday, I'm excited for this. I'm actually excited because we're going to drop this podcast on Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. So you'll have something to, you know, listen to as you enjoy Christmas with your family and this interesting pandemic that we continue to live through. But you know, the great thing about Christmas to me is the time for giving. And in this bit in sports media, you don't get a lot of giving. But you know, so I met somebody named Fago Franklin III. And this guy is the definition of giving. And he has been in this business for eight years. He's also a publicist. He writes for pro players, insiders, and news stitch, NFL, NBA, boxing, you name it. So we're all going to break it all down right here, right now with Fago Franklin III. And thank you so much for joining us here. Let's start off with the big story of the day. And that was, what does the future hold after the Jets beat the Rams on Sunday? Oh, man. First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I think the Jets kind of messed it up. I'm looking uh, right now at their schedule. They play the Browns and the Patriots, which could result in both losses. Um, I think they could kind of pull off the upset with the Browns because I personally feel like the Browns don't really have nothing to play for, and they actually might sit there as uh, starters down um, just in case for the playoffs. Um, The Jacks, of course, they play the Bears and the Colts. They can actually win against the Colts because the Colts have been inconsistent as of late. So they could pull the upset off and actually, um, you know, get that win. But again, the Jets already have a uh, quarterback. I like Sam Darnold. I I really do. I think that he needs a mentor, um, a veteran quarterback to kind of mold him, mold him into the quarterback that he needs to be. They don't really have an offensive line. They don't have a running back. They don't have nothing for real, for real. And you bringing in another quarterback, it's like Trevor Lawrence is going to suffer the same fate as Sam Darnold has um, suffered as of late. So I would say the Jaguars actually have a better opportunity to go after a quarterback because they definitely need one. The Jets do not. Why do you think Sam Darnold deserves another chance? uh, You look at what the Jets have to offer. They don't really have anything to offer. They don't have the wide receivers to kind of help them out. Um, They don't have a running back to help them out. They don't really have a coach that can actually coach that um, team. And you look at the executive level, they don't really have that leadership capability. You're the first you are the first person in sports media to actually have another side to the story. And that's what I really like about it, because here on the Turning Points podcast, we like to tell both sides of the story. We don't like to just take the headline and run with it. So I take that headline, deconstruct it, and you just gave a different point to it. So I appreciate that. Uh, let's go to the number one seed right now in the NFC and the AFC. Which one is more vulnerable, the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs? Kansas City Chiefs. I like. I, I feel like that they're going to kind of fall in the playoffs. They, their secondary is horrific. Like you just have to outscore the Chiefs. To be honest, they have like on the offensive end, you can't stop them. But on the defensive end, they give up over twenty points per game. And, you know, with Green Bay, um, on the offensive end, they don't really have the weapons like that. Aaron Rodgers get it done, but they are a second-half team. Because as you see in the first half, they can be blowing teams out. But in the second half, it's a different story. So right now, to go back to your point, I'm going to say the Chiefs secondary is going to be the Achilles heel for the Chiefs not to make the Super Bowl this year. Who matches up the best with the Chiefs in the playoffs? Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. I must have to say, if anything, the Slips, they know how to slow a team down. 
they have a great defense. They're, I think their defense is like top five, top six. Uh, but their defense is definitely um, going to get it done. And they know how to just grind you out. They have a running back that can actually, you know, grind out the game. And they can spend, what, 10 minutes on a, uh, one possession. So that's what you have to do with the Chiefs. You have to kind of stop that potent offense. Where do you see the Bills in this whole thing? Oh, man. Uh, between them and the Browns, they are my sleeper teams. Like, I, I, I'm, I love Josh um, Allen. He's growing into his own. And what he displayed last week is just phenomenal. Like, the guys playing lights out right now. They have, you know, a great defense, you know, a great running back. Um, I honestly think they will make it to the second round, but I don't think they're going to go deep because they're, they're, their offense is kind of still young. If the Cle- now, Cleveland? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Cleveland is – Baker Mayfield is just playing lights out, man. They got a nice defense. They can control um, the game with their running backs, and they had two running backs that you have to look out for. Man, the, the Cleveland Browns, this is 2020. <laughs> Anything can happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns, you know, make it to the AFC Championship. Now, if the Cleveland Browns do make the playoffs, who gets the most credit for this? Oh, man. Probably the head coach. That's the new head coach, first and foremost. Kevin Stefanski. Um, yes. I, I'll say the head coach because uh, with uh, – what's his name? Freddie Kitchens, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. It, like you saw, he that team was not disciplined under um, him as being a head coach. Um, and then, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. They was trying to force feed Odell. Odell was out of the lineup, so you get more opportunities to other wide receivers, which is opening up a little bit more of the passing game. And they're like, honestly, their their biggest threat is um, utilizing Chubb. You know, you can play basically play make a game plan for Chubb and do play action with him and um. Kareem Hunt. And they are a monster. That play actions that would definitely work. But um, again, it, it's going to go down with the head coach. The head coach changed the whole dynamic within that organization. He's the complete opposite of Freddie Kitchens, Fago. And another thing is, is, the funny thing is that Freddie Kitchens was the one that was calling the plays for the New York Giants last night. And you could see the undisciplined come out to the point where Joe Judge is like, why did I hire this guy again? I mean, j- trouble just follows him everywhere he goes at this point. So, all right, he's Fago Franklin the Third, and he has joined us here in the Turning Points Podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. Tweet me at, at @bothsidesports, and you're also a writer for Pro Players Insiders and News Stitched. Let's get to the NFC East. The most interesting thing that happened out of the NFC East was in Arizona. Jalen Hurts, give me one word that describes uh, this quarterback. Uh, I was, <laughs> I would mess around and say healthy. Healthy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say creative. I'm a diehard Eagles fan. So it's, it's like he gives us, matter of fact, I got one word for you. Explosion. Explosion. Very, okay. Yes. He's very explosive. He's very dynamic. He has a quicker mentality to get the ball out than Wentz and you have to put eight men in the box to control him which is we don't really have to do that with Wentz. Wentz he doesn't run as fast as Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts like yesterday I saw some balls that was uh, delivered in some tight spaces and he actually made that that offensive look like it's clicking. 
I don't know what we were doing this season, but he should have been starting a long time ago. Wentz did not even throw up over 400 yards this season. And this is the same offensive line that we had this season. If Jaylen, With a lot of key injuries. Sorry about that. You broke up there for a second. Say that again. Oh, I said this is basically the same type of uh, horrific offensive line that we had this year. I mean, I think it was like 14 different lineups this year um, within our offense. And Jalen Hurts, he looks great. And that's uh, against two different teams. And so I'm like, keep this guy, man. Like, he needs to be starting next season. Wentz needs to shut his mouth up and just actually be that veteran quarterback and have his man back. Because at the end of the day, we already know that Wentz is a decent quarterback. That's why we pay him that amount of money. But also at the same time, you had a bad season. So if Jalen Hurts outplaying you, make sure that you outplay him in um, training camp because you know it's going to be a quarterback battle. If Carson Wentz doesn't want to be the backup, where could you see him next year? Uh, probably with the Colts, to be honest. The what? Colts needed a quarterback. I think Pat, uh, uh, Phillip Rivers may retire, give or take. Um, and he, I think he actually kind of fits in with that organization. I know the Chicago Bears definitely need some type of quarterback. I mean, shoot. Give us back Nick Foles. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, um, I can see him going over there or either, you know, maybe the Jaguars if they don't give uh, Trevor Lawrence. What other changes could you see happening in the offseason for Philadelphia? Oh, man. We need we need an actual key wide receiver. Ashawn Jeffrey's starting to come alive. And that's because of Jalen Hurts. I was like, where did he go? Did he die? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he came alive out of nowhere. I'm like, yo, this is what we need. He's Lazarus. But we, actually, <laughs> but we actually need a key wide receiver that can actually uh, be a threat down the field. We don't really have that. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he's injury prone. We need somebody that is a key wide receiver that can actually um, catch balls in spaces and actually be a deep threat. So we need that fix. We need a defensive back out there that is, you know, that can make tackles because there's a lot of DBs on our, um, in our secondary that doesn't know how to make a tackle. Um, and that's just about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's Fago Franklin III joining us here on the Turning Points Podcast where we tell both sides of the story. He's also a publicist and a writer for Pro Players, Insiders, and News Stitch, eight years in the business. What does a win over the Cowboys mean for the Eagles? It means everything. It's pride. It's the NFC East. I mean, we hate the Cowboys. I'm a diehard. Again, even though I'm a sports journalist, sports reporter, uh, and sports media, I can't stand the Cowboys. Each and every year, they talk about, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> even with the record that they have, everybody talks about, yeah, we're going to the playoffs. Where? You got to beat the football team. So, Like, I, I don't get it. So, like I said, it's pride for me as a fan. So I can sit there and be like, yes, we family beat you. But also at the same time, I'm not even going to lie. On the journalist aspect, uh, that team is dynamic. You know, C.D. Lamb is starting to come into his own. I wish we would have kind of got him off the board, uh, which was too late. But um, like I said, we just need to whip their tail. And it's just pride because at this, we're not playing for anything besides pride because the two top teams that are actually playing for that division is the football team with no name 
and then the Giants with no quarterback for real. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a oh, it's a terrible division, but I mean, hey, at least the Eagles are showing something because I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm excited for the Eagles Cowboys game strictly because Jalen Hurts got this got the news that he was going to start against Dallas. So that is going to be something exciting. Something else exciting is happening. December 22nd, NBA kicks off. And I can't wait for this. So many great headlines have happened here. Give me the best story that happened in the offseason. <laughs> uh, right now, it's still going on. Any and everybody wants uh, uh, James Harden. Miami's talking about, in the, yeah, Miami's in the mix. And everybody's trying to throw everything just to get James Harden. And that is still a top headline right now because my whole thing, I, I was surprised that Miami was actually trying to go after him. And they, was, they got nothing but you. And what are you going to actually trade? You're trading your younger uh, dynamic players that actually prove that they don't need a real top-tier superstar, and they made it to the finals, and you're going after a guy that plays iso ball that doesn't know how to teammates. And with him, can you imagine James Harden and Jimmy get buckets together? That's not going to work because you still got Tyler Hero out there. You still got all these different pieces that play off the ball. So you're bringing in a person that wants the ball in his hands that don't know how to play team ball, it's going to cause a lot of uh, problems and conflict within the locker room. That's one of the main, um, one of the biggest headlines right now. Of course, you can't uh, forget, you know, Doc Rivers going to the 76ers. Um, and then, you know, the 76ers, you know, getting Dwight Howard, uh, uh, Seth Curry, and a, a couple more guys like Danny Green. Yeah. <laughs> and that was actually the last thing, uh, the last headline. I was surprised that uh, Giannis actually stayed with the Bucks. You know, he signed uh, a five-year contract, four years. After four years, he's, he can opt out of that contract. But he actually stayed with the Bucks. So, I mean, that's going to be pretty interesting to see, like, how uh, Drew Holiday um, is going to actually fit within that organization. There was a little breaking news that came in today about the Bucks. Why did they lose a second-round pick? Uh, because they actually had tampering. Like, before free, agentless, free agency started, they was actually already talking with a player and they was trying to get him before free agency started. So that's illegal to the NBA standards. Holy mackerel. All right. Okay. So let's start, let's start in the Eastern conference here. Give me four teams from the Eastern conference to watch closely. Uh, Celtics, 76ers, Raptors, and Pistons. Of the four, which one are you excited to watch? 76ers. I want to actually see how, uh, Doc Rivers is going to actually change that dynamic with the 76ers. They actually have a leadership uh, capability out there with their personnel. Um, I think they can actually make the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the right pieces. However, um, if they do decide to get James Harden, they might lose a big piece, which is Ben Simmons and a couple of draft picks. Why is Ben Simmons not fitting in? Oh, man. He, he only has one game, to be honest. Like, he don't really have anything... In his inside of his bag, I mean, he, he can post you up, he assists, but outside of that, he doesn't even create his own shot. Like you see, like even Joel Embiid, he actually creates his own shot. Like even if he don't really, if even if he's off a little bit, he still shoots the uh, the ball. Same thing with Giannis. You know, everybody got tired of, um, especially him. Everybody got. He probably heard like you know the critics telling him, "Oh well, you don't have a shot. All you do is go inside the post and post up people and do layups." 
But he heard that, and you start seeing him shoot behind the arc. With Ben Simmons, he doesn't have that in his bag, and he's okay with, you know, just posting up in the post and getting easy layups. If he can kind of spread the floor and start shooting out there mid-range shots, that's going to open up the offense for the 76ers a little bit more. What are the chances the Sixers could trade for James Harden? Oh, man. Right now, it's 50-50 right now. 50-50, okay. <laughs> yeah, they still in talks with him since 50-50. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Western Conference. Same question. Give me four teams to watch closely. Oh, man. Utah, Suns, Lakers, the Mavericks. I'm going to stick with the Mavericks. Luka Donis is that man. That is a bad man out there, man. And he's growing and he's super young. And that team is dangerous. You saw it last year when they played a stout uh, uh, Clippers team. They act like their bigs actually dominated the paint. If uh, Persingas can stay healthy, oh my gosh, that team could go far. They, they, you can actually say that they're going to be going to the Western Conference Finals. Who is more valuable to their team, Kevin Durant for the Nets, Stephen Curry for the Warriors? Stephen Curry, because without Stephen Curry, they would not be a playoff team. Well, there you go. All right, now let's uh, get personal here for a second. When Fago Franklin the Third joined us here in the Turning Points podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Ronghold. Tweet me at, at both side sports. Fago, I was going through uh, researching this, like I always do with all my guests, and I saw a Facebook post that really got to me, and I'm going to read this for my audience, and then I want you to respond to this. Key factors that meant something to me this year. I actually got to see Andy Reid get his Super Bowl ring in Miami. I covered the XFL this year. I interviewed Lisa Ray and got my clients into NBA All-Star Weekend events. I started my own publication. I interviewed Drew Bledsoe, Warren Moon, Sue Bird, Danny Garcia. I started my own podcast as well. I have been to nine states this year. Yes, I included layovers. I covered my first World Series, which was cool. I grabbed four more clients on the public relations side. I have been on many Zoom conferences that were sent by ESPN, CBS Sports, Showtime Boxing, and others. I didn't get the position, but I actually made it to the third round with ESPN, which years ago was my dream job. I helped individuals excel in their career. Finally, I am actually getting sleep and not many nightmares or waking up in cold sweats because of my brother's death. This year was much better than the last two. As always, thank you for the people who are still rocking with me. I appreciate the kind and encouraging words. Without faith, I would be lost. So for me, every day is a blessing just to wake up. Fago, when you hear this post, what goes through your mind? <laughs> oh, man. Um, the grind, determination, uh, just being humbled and blessed and being thankful for each and um opportunity that I'm able to do something that I love, something I'm passionate about, something that I can uh, just be grateful for and build my platform to help others excel in a greater heights in sports media. What has been the toughest thing to deal with during this pandemic? Uh, I'm an extrovert. I'll say, I'll, I'll say that. I'm an extrovert. So just conversing with different individuals, um, just in person, um, on the sports media side, not really going to live events because I love going to live events. That's where you can actually get that more so intellectual uh, interaction with people. Um, you can hug people. You can meet people. You can ask people like in person, you know, how did they get from point A to point B without virtual? Virtual aspect is cool, but 
you know, I like to see people's emotions. I like to, you know, give hugs, high fives, and different things of that nature. And again, I'm an extrovert, so I'm a people person. Who was your favorite interview this year? Oh, man. Do I really have to answer that question? Can I say a lot? Uh, all? <laughs> you want to go all? Sure. Okay. Um, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Um, Lisa Ray. I, I, I'm, I was a huge fan of Lisa Ray. That was like my... Uh, one of my crushes growing up. So I'll say Lisa Ray. Um, but I'm not even going to lie. Just being, you know, talking with T.O. was pretty cool, too, because, of course, he was the Eagles uh, wide receiver for us in around, like, the 2004, 2005 year. And to actually talk with him for a couple of minutes was pretty cool, too. And alive. Which was better, going to the World Series or watching Andy Reid get a Super Bowl ring? None of the above. Uh, goes to 2018. I, I'll give you two. Being beside uh, my favorite basketball uh, uh, player, Kobe Bryant, I got to actually be beside him um, last year at a wow. Las, Vegas, Las Vegas Aces game. 2018 was my first Super Bowl that I actually covered. This, uh, I, as you already know, the Eagles played the Patriots again. <laughs> um, and we finally got our revenge, and I was there to see my Eagles get their first Super Bowl ring. What did it mean to see the Eagles hold that Lombardi trophy for the first time? Uh, it meant everything, just not as a fan, but in life in general, because I had to sacrifice a lot. I had to invest in myself. Like there were a lot of people that did not think I was going to make it this far. That was my actually five year goal was to go to a Super Bowl. And when they won the Super Bowl, it was just an amazing feeling. Like when they held it up, I sat there and cried because it wasn't just, you know, watching them as a fan, but, you know, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the rejection, all the stuff that I had to go through in order just to get to a Super Bowl, it meant everything. And each and every day, like, I'm grateful. And I remember that memory and it keeps me hungry. I don't care how many Super Bowls I go to, any World Series I cover, just that moment alone just makes me more hungrier because it was like, I finally got there. I got there. Now I'm hungry. It's just like, you know, like, like Jordan and Kobe. When you first win your first Super Bowl, um, not Super Bowl, but NBA Finals, you want more. And you get you have that drive. You have that ambition to keep going after something that you love. What does it mean to help others excel in their career? Um, it means everything to me because I know when I first started in my journey, uh, there was a lot of closed doors. So now I'm in a position to give opportunities to people. So it makes me a better leader. It makes me a better patient person. And just to hear, oh my gosh, Fago, like I interviewed such and such, or I've been to this event. Thank you, thank you. It means so much because I actually got them to that next level, whereas others wouldn't even have gave them a shot. All right, Fago, stay on the line here after we get done with this interview. But he was Fago Franklin the Third, a publicist, writer for our pro players, insiders, and news stitch. You can find him on Facebook. Tell. My audience, where else they can find you? Oh, man. All right. So you can find me on my Instagram, SuperJunk87. You can find some of my exclusive interviews on uh, Fago Franklin YouTube, or you can type in New Stitch Media. I have a website, NewStitchMedia.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is Fago Franklin III. Or heck, you can just Google me, Fago Franklin III. All my interviews will pop up, all the articles that I have done. Um, yeah. Passionate, hungry. That's Fago Franklin III in a nutshell. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Turning Points Podcast, and thank you for always telling both sides of the story. 
Thank you for having me on, my friend. All right, that was Fago Franklin the Third. Listen, if you're if you're trying to get into this business, or let's say you just graduated from the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, and you're looking for a source. This is a man to look for. I've been talking to this guy for the last couple months as well through Eric Wilson, and uh, he has actually been able to inspire me as well. We're in a tough time right now in this pandemic, and it's people like Fago that keep me going. So I appreciate him coming on this podcast. All right, special thanks to Fago Franklin the Third, sports writer, publicist. The guy has done it all, and he's only been in the business for less than 10 years. But, man, what amazing insight he had on the NFL, on the NBA, and what a Facebook post. I mean, what a Facebook post he was able to put up. He put up his entire resume and his inspiration, and it was incredible. So thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we're going to have Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, who is here right here on the Blue Wire Network. He'll be joining us to break down the Packers and the Titans And that will be next week. You don't want to miss it. All right. Speaking about We Did Not Miss It, it's time for our We Did Not Forget segment. So roll that tape. this time because in the in top five turning points it's really tough to find stories but there are a couple of stories that really just spoke to me and i wanted to bring it up so let's start off washington football team oh quarterback Dwayne haskins is in hot water uh he was caught on video maskless with strippers now the first thing was a source has said that he was at a dc strip club maskless uh, you know, just having a great time. But then a source told ESPN that it was actually hiring strippers for a private party at a hotel suite. I don't care if he was at a strip club. I don't care if he was at a hotel suite. By the way, how many people were at this private party? Because remind yourself, the NFL has said you cannot be at a gathering of 10 people or more. You can't. It's just the rule. So I just love it how they say, oh, private party at hotel suite. Well, how many people were there? How private was this? Why were strippers there in a pandemic? That's my problem. And the NFL could suspend Dwayne Haskins for violating the COVID-19 protocol and should. But I think they'll wait until after the season is done, because let's be honest, the only quarterback that is left for the Washington football team, hate to say it, it's Dwayne Haskins. Until that injured calf gets better for Alex Smith, that's your starting quarterback. And NBC Sports Washington reported today Oh, look, there was Dwayne Haskins, first team reps. Good for him. What a joke. And finally, I wanted to close this out with something nice because it is the Christmas season. It's the time to give, not to receive. It's the time to give. Cardinals cornerback, Prince McMara. He made over 300 deliveries for a food delivery service. Here's the story. 300 deliveries. In spring, he was isolating with his wife, two children, and five sisters. Two of his sisters, Promise and Princess, and Prince decided to come up with a contest that who could make the most money with a food delivery service. And you know what the winner got? Bragging rights. They were There was more to this story. So they had the contest to make the most money. Prince was working three to four days a week, three to five hours a day. Sometimes he'd work 10 hours a day. He would work till one o'clock in the morning. We're talking about a man that has made 46 million in his lifetime and he is still giving back. And during the spring before the football season, he started off early. 
because all of the money that Princess Promise and Prince made was sent to the Others Foundation. This is what Prince runs. And quote, it means the outpost of hope by providing aid, service, and support to those in need. Causes by the millions. It's crazy to me how good of a heart Prince and Amara had. Because I'm going to lie to you. DoorDash, guess what I've been doing since the pandemic started? Been a delivery driver. DoorDash has actually been able to help me keep you know, money rolling in. But you got a guy who made $46 million in his lifetime, and he's still giving back. And he's getting in his car. He's picking up food. He's going up to people's doors, wearing a mask, knocking on doors, dropping the food off, off to the next one, finding the best routes. So, and it just brings up this great point, because now we're in the holiday season. And I want you to just remind yourself what the true meaning of Christmas is. You know, it's funny to me, as I close out this Turning Points podcast for the week of December 23rd, 2020, I've always said this, it's hard for me to pick out something what I want for Christmas, because to me, I don't, I would be happy if I got nothing, because it's not about me, it's about the people who are starving right now, trying to put food on the table, trying to get a toy for their son or daughter. That's why we have Toys for Tots, Wounded Warriors Group. Do yourself a favor. If you're getting on an airplane, wearing a mask, if you're getting in a car today, if you're going to be traveling across the country to go see some family and 10 people or less, make a decision to give back. Donate to charity. Do something great. Mind yourself, we just had the Christmas star. The Christmas star was out here just a couple of nights ago. Doesn't that just give you a clue? Speaking about that, here's your clue. That's the end of the Turning Points podcast where we tell both sides of the story. Next week, jammed, packed, can't wait. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network, is going to be on here next week to talk Packers and Titans. What happened in this game? I can't wait to get his thoughts. He is one of the best to talk Packers with. I can't wait to have him. I also worked on Pack-A-Day before in in their infancy And he was one of my favorite people to work for. So that's coming up next week. Until next time, wear a mask, socially distance, be with friends, be with family. Enjoy your Christmas season. Put in your favorite Christmas movie, have a Christmas cookie, and heck, even have a beer. This has been the Turning Points Podcast, where we always tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Longholt, and you are listening to it right here 